Hello, my name is Meg. Welcome to the Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. The goal of this podcast is to help you both develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. About 20 years ago, at a low spot in my life, I was convicted to begin this simple discipline, and I looked up years down the road to see how God had used this habit to heal deep places in my heart and do incredible things in my life. And so over the years, it's really become my greatest passion to help others get to know Jesus through His Word and through His presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the Word of God with fresh eyes, to learn to slow down with your Bible, and ultimately to fall in love with Jesus as you fall in love with your Bible. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so grateful to have you here. Thank you again for joining me today. Today we are going to talk about a little line that Jesus spoke in Acts 1 verse 8 where he said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Before we get into it, I just want to say a massive thank you to everybody who's left reviews on either the book or the podcast. I so appreciate the kindness. As you guys know, we live in a world with millions of options. If you go on Amazon to buy a pen, there's probably 22,000 types of pens and Ultimately, I think a lot of times I personally just pick based on the one that has the most reviews, the most five-star ratings, and go from it, go from there. And so truly ratings and reviews are such a huge part of spreading a message in this day and age. I am passionate about this message of finding hope and healing through Bible reading and prayer, establishing relationship with Jesus through Bible reading and prayer, and the power of the Word of God, the power of His Spirit. And so when you leave a review or a rating, you are helping spread that message. So if you haven't had a chance yet, can I just ask if you would consider taking just a second or two to do that? It really is very helpful with, again, spreading this message. And so I just wanted to say thanks to those of you who have already done so and encourage those of you who haven't to consider doing so. I hope you're having a great day. Today's a great day. Today's Friday. And tomorrow's Saturday, and you may have something fun to do on your calendar, and I'm excited about that. When God originally laid it on my heart to publish parts of my journals, he gave me three primary demographics. And these are sort of people people groups that I've just had in my heart as I've worked on this project and these projects for the last seven years. First of all, those who never or rarely darken a church door. We live in a world where a lot of people have had no religious upbringing, no religious experience. They really have their own philosophies or maybe are agnostic, just again, have no sort of religious background whatsoever. That was my first demographic that God laid on my heart. Secondly, those who've walked in traditional or denominal religion but have never experienced the power of the Holy Ghost, they're very sincere and are serving God with everything they know, but they've never been taught about the power of the Holy Ghost. Number three, those who have experienced the power of the Holy Ghost, but have never walked in close relationship with Jesus. They've never really learned how to seek him out in his word or in his presence. They've never sought to get to know him and really walk closely and daily with him. So those were the original three demographics that I felt godly on my heart so strongly. And most recently, I've felt very strongly a fourth category, and that is those who have once known the power of the Holy Ghost, but have walked away from God or their walk with God for whatever reason. And I don't know who's listening. I can see there's people listening. 
Um, so I don't know who you are or where you are. Maybe if you find yourself in one of those demographics. But if you do, I want to say very clearly and very emphatically that God wants to do more in your life. He has plans for you. He has a future for you. He wants to give you power. And today, um, as opposed to reading an unedited entry, I'm going to read one of the closings from the book called You Shall Receive Power. And I have just felt to share this. Jesus said in the Gospels, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And to truly and deeply understand the word of God, we have to be filled to overflowing with the Holy Ghost. My pastor once said something to the effect of, and this is not verbatim, not word for word, but I feel that it's worth mentioning. He said, the Bible is written in Holy Ghost. And it is so, so, so true that to, again, understand the word of God, the spirit of God has to be the interpreter for it. And before I share this closing um, chapter from the book, Unedited Hope and Healing Through the Simple Habit of Bible Reading and Prayer, I just want to share an experience that I had recently. I've had the privilege to work with my church's prison ministry team for about a year. And back in August, it was my turn to speak. And all week I had felt I was going to speak about acceptance. This is something that I've recently studied and God has dealt with me so deeply on it. And it's been so profound in my life, just about accepting the things that are unchangeable and how our unchangeables change us and draw us closer to God. And so that's really what I felt like I was going to speak on. And Friday night, Brother Raymond Woodward spoke about, um, I don't even want to try to explain it, but basically just about how the Holy Ghost is the thing that allows communication. And again, I'm, I'm going to explain this horribly, so I'm not. You can go look it up on our website, clcwi.com, if you want to hear it. But again, it was about the power of the Holy Ghost and how it works in our lives. And Saturday morning when I woke up, I felt so strongly prompted of God that instead of talking about acceptance, I needed to talk about the power of the Holy Ghost. And that if I wanted to see ladies filled with the Spirit, we needed to be teaching about it. And that the Holy Ghost is literally the thing that transforms our lives, resurrects our souls, helps us understand the Word of God. And so it was kind of down to the wire. I just took this chapter of the book, changed it up a little bit, and um, shared it with the ladies at prison that day. And then my friend Deb got up and just shared a little bit about her testimony and how God had um, just radically transformed her life, how he had filled her with the Holy Ghost many years prior. And when she was done, she asked if there was any ladies who wanted to receive the Holy Ghost. Now, mind you, we are in a white painted cafeteria with green, little green tables, probably from the 1970s, 1980s. This is nothing fancy. There is no music. There's not even a guitar, no fanfare. We had ladies walk up and there's no atmosphere created, no typical apostolic worship environment. And we saw four ladies receive the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. I have personally prayed people through in an altar setting in churches. I've heard of people receiving the Holy Ghost at their houses, but I have not personally experienced something like that. It was so, so, so incredible to hear them speak with tongues in languages they did not understand. It may have actually been more than four ladies. We're on a, a clock, so we couldn't really stay a long time after the fact. But it was so powerful. I prayed with one lady, and 
she was speaking like this beautiful sort of Spanish-sounding language. And I looked at her name tag. I was like, oh my word, she is speaking in tongues because her name does not match up with that language at all. And she came to me as she was walking out and she said, I have never felt anything like that. The Holy Ghost rocks. It was just such an amazing, amazing experience. And so I just felt to share that. And what I felt that morning is kind of what I'm feeling this morning, that we have to have the power of the Holy Ghost. It is part of the plan of salvation. And it, again, is how you're going to understand the scripture. I've just felt that maybe there's one or two people who will listen to this that have never heard of it or never experienced it or never received it yet. And it's real and it's supernatural and it is for you. You can receive the Holy Ghost today, wherever you are, if you're in your car, if you're in your office, if you're in your bedroom, or maybe you you can seek out an apostolic church and receive the Holy Ghost in an apostolic worship environment. And I want to say, if you do not believe this or this cuts against the grain of your doctrine, please reach out to me. Please ask questions. Please, again, go to a local apostolic church. Ask for a Bible study. Get in your word. This is not something that I believe haphazardly. This is really how I originally began to read my Bible and pray, was to figure out what I believe. The Word of God instructs us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And it is incumbent upon each of us to see what the Scriptures say about the salvation of our souls. And so today I'm going to share this chapter with you. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Thank you again. You shall receive power. As you'll hear mentioned in the next essay, Thoughts for the Road, Bible reading and prayer are components of the journey of healing. And that journey begins with salvation. When properly handling the Bible, we must bear in mind that its entire point is salvation. The story of the Bible is the story of redemption, and redemption is what each of us need. But how do we find salvation? What I share here may be different from what you've been taught about salvation, but please read this and be open to something new. Please be open to more. And please search this out in the Word of God for yourself. Eternal salvation is far too important to take someone else's word for. We must each, as Paul wrote in Philippians 2, work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. The story of redemption goes way back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis 1-3, through when God created man for relationship, and man, through his decision to go against the commands of God, falls from that relationship. From the point of that fall, Man's ability to connect directly with God is broken, and humanity now lives in a world marked by death, decay, disease, and destruction. The effects of sin taint and mar everything that God had created to be good. Sin ushers in the judgment of God, for sin must always be judged. Death now became the final reality of the human existence. See Romans 6.23. We were powerless against the forces set in motion. But while that moment severed God's connection or man's connection to God, it also became the moment where God set in plan a motion to redeem humanity back to himself. The plan to save humanity from their sin was God's plan from the beginning. Revelation 3.18 The Bible is the slow unfolding of that plan. 
Throughout the Old Testament, God wove together the storyline of redemption. We see God create a bloodline for the Savior and form a nation set apart to himself. All the players and parts for God's grand plan were slowly put in place. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, whose 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. The story continues through Moses and David, Solomon, Hezekiah, and more. Finally, the New Testament opens and we hear an angelic proclamation. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus came to earth, Emmanuel, God with us, for the stated purpose of saving humanity from their sins. In the gospel, we see Jesus grow, step into an earthly ministry which lasted three and a half years, and we read about him fulfilling his primary purpose to give his life a ransom for many. Each gospel writer conveys Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus willingly laid down his life as the final payment for man's sin. He was crucified on a cross, buried in a guarded tomb, and on the third day he rose from the grave. Jesus won final victory over Satan, over sin, and over death itself. This is the reason we can be saved. But the beauty of what Jesus did must be coupled with our response. We must respond to his finished work with obedient faith. During his earthly ministry, we see that Jesus trained 12 men, 12 disciples to establish his kingdom, the church. Following his victorious resurrection from the dead, Jesus spoke these words to his disciples before ascending back to heaven. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The disciples did, just as Jesus had commanded, and waited and prayed for the promise in an upper room in Jerusalem. Finally, the day of Pentecost, we see the Holy Spirit and power poured out evidenced by everyone speaking the wonderful works of God in languages they did not know. There were people from all over gathered at Jerusalem, and when they heard the 120, they asked, What in the world does this mean? Peter, the disciple commissioned by Jesus to establish his church, rose from the crowd and preached the first sermon of the newborn church. He began in the Old Testament and referenced Old Testament prophecy. He explained that what they were seeing is what the prophet Joel prophesied hundreds of years before. Joel 2:28 and 29, as referenced in Acts 2, 16 to 18, says, But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Peter continues with his sermon and preaches Jesus. As they listen, they are convicted by the power of God. They ask Peter and the rest of the apostles how they should respond to this gospel message. In reply to their question, Peter boldly proclaims the plan of salvation. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, 
for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He gives them three steps of obedient faith to apply the gospel to their lives individually. Number one, repentance. Number two, water baptism in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. And three, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking in tongues. But he doesn't stop there. He continues and says very plainly and emphatically, For the promise is to you and your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Peter tells them very clearly how to act in response to the gospel and says that it is for everyone forever. He says it is to all who are afar off. You and I are all who are afar off. 2,000 years after the day of Pentecost, God is still pouring out the promise of the Father. The power promised with the Holy Ghost is still available to be experienced. It is still available to transform lives and rewrite storylines. The plan of salvation laid out by Peter is very simple. It is in repenting, sorrowing over, and turning from our sin that we experience a change of mind and a change of heart. It is in applying the name of Jesus to our lives in the waters of baptism that the stains of sin are washed away, the righteousness of God is applied, and the claim of death is removed from our life. It is with the infilling of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in tongues as it was in the book of Acts, that the connection to God that was severed in the garden is restored. The Holy Ghost gives us power to overcome our flesh over our tendencies that have dominated our choices and responses. This is the new birth, where we are born into the kingdom of God, just as Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, 5 through 7, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. This is the moment we are birthed into the church. The church is not a church, quote unquote. It is a people set apart to God. The church is a conglomerate of disparate parts comprised of lives from every corner of the globe and every walk of life. The church is open to anyone who will search out truth in the word of God and walk in humble obedience to what they see on its pages. Revelations 22, 17 says, Let anyone who hears this come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. The church and God's plan of salvation are open to all who are hungry and thirsty for more. One day, time as we know it will end and eternity will begin. Each of us will give account of himself to God. We will either stand in our own human goodness or we will stand in the righteousness of God covered in the blood he shed on the cross, which is applied to our lives in baptism. And that's not the end of the story. The hope of the church is the hope of heaven, a place with no more tears or sorrow, a place where everything is restored to God's original designs, a place of wholeness and restoration where no effects of the fall persist. Eternal life in heaven with Jesus is the ultimate promise of the Bible. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, power to live in a way you never thought possible, power to overcome addictions and heartbreak, power to understand the Word of God and live guided by the Spirit, power to be a light in the world, and ultimately not just power, but eternal life. 
John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Again, that was one of the closings that I had felt godly in my heart. It was actually the last piece that I wrote for the book. I felt like I couldn't put a book out there that taught the habit of Bible reading and prayer and really promoted this concept that has proven that God does heal through the habit of Bible reading and prayer, but that I needed to talk about the plan of salvation. And the words of Jesus ring true to this day, you shall receive power. You shall receive power. If you have never been filled to the Holy or with the Holy Ghost, Um, too overflowing with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And this is not to say that God has not been at work in your life, but there is truly power in being filled and being birthed and having a supernatural experience where God takes over your tongue and you speak in a language you've never understood or never known through your own natural mind. That promise is for you. Like Peter said on the day of Pentecost, for the promise is to you and to your children, and to all who are afar off. You don't have to be in a crowd. You don't have to be at church to receive the Holy Ghost. Kneel down where you are. Repent of your sins. Worship God. He inhabits the praises of his people, and he will fill you to overflowing with his spirit. As you worship him, your language will switch over. You'll speak in a language you've never known before. It is supernatural. It's powerful. It's for you and God wants to fill you to overflowing. The promise is for you. Thank you again so, so, so much for joining me for this journey. I look forward to meeting up with you again next Friday. If you have questions or to download a typed or a handwritten transcript of today's entry, you can visit meganedited.com. For now, go grab your journal and your Bible. I look forward to the power of this habit in your life. This is unedited. This is for you. Happy, 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 joyful, fun-filled, amazing, wonderful, fantabulous Friday.